This episode of All the President's Minutes is brought to you by bellacatering.com.au. Bella Catering are one of the best catering companies in all of Sydney, which makes them one of the best in the whole of Australia. Unfortunately, during this time of COVID-19 pandemic, they are pivoting to survive in the form of home delivery. So if you're in the greater Sydney area, they will deliver to you. Go to bellacatering.com.au. Have your home get-togethers catered as we are teetering in Sydney on weird numbers of people allowed at one's house. Why cook? Why do that? Why don't you get Bella Catering, chuck some money back at these folks, delicious food delivered to you. They are wonderful. We love Glenn and Maria, their team. Glenn, as an individual, deeply questionable person, but we love him. Please, uh, if you can, support them because they support us uh, and have supported us through this pandemic as well. Thank you so much for listening. 2020 continues to be a shit show. We have some wonderful episodes of All the President's Minutes coming for you right now. So without further ado, here's the show. nominated for a performance in a supporting role are Ned Beatty in Network, Burgess Meredith in Rocky, Laurence Olivier in Marathon Man, Jason Robards and all the President's men. Burt Young in Rocky. And the winner is... Jason Robards and all the President's men. Holding that right. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you very much for the honor of the nomination and also the honor of this award. And I just want to say that I take this in honor for my producer, Robert Redford, who, and my great fellow actor, who showed such integrity, honesty, and perseverance in this project. And in honor of Alan Pakula, our director, and also Ben Bradley for being alive so that he would let me come out and play with him. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Joining me today is someone who's had like a wild life. Uh, And I mean a wild life as in, if you read some of the stuff that is in his bio, it would seem not believable. You know, he's an attractive guy who's plucked off a beach to start a modeling career he's in another state from where he was born this is happening on a beach in miami i believe and he was from indiana originally he's a former he's dabbled in mixed martial arts fighting he's had a a short stint in as a policeman he's been a model internationally recognized traveled the world to do that and is now dabbling in acting it kind of feels unbelievable but this moment in the film as we're coming to sort of the centerpiece scene of all the president's men it sort of it hit a nail on my head when i had an opportunity to talk to this guy because there is nothing required more from these journalists in so many of their interactions with so many people that don't want to talk to them than an ability to read the room to be charming and to talk their way into a situation to get a job if you look at this guy's resume You would see he's acted in television and recently in his biggest acting stuff that he's been doing, he's acted with acolytes of this movie. He's he's been on sets with acolytes of this movie. Adam McKay in Vice, Steven Soderbergh in The Laundromat, and a movie that just had its year anniversary and actually caused a sliver of joy in quarantine. Once upon a time in Hollywood, Bo Roberts, welcome to All the President's Minutes. Thank you for having me. 
my friend, tell me, tell me about what it feels like for you uh, watching this minute as like, I don't know whether you get like a Pavlov res- Pavlovian response of like having to knock on a door uh, to, to go in and try and like sort of sell yourself to get into this room. It, I mean, it must feel, uh, it, it must feel like it resonates with you at, at least a little bit. It does. And the last thing you want to have is a Pavlovian response. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Because um, the way I identify with what they're going through is, acting and modeling a very proper nickname for it is the business of rejection. Yes. So yeah, like you go into an audition and they say, sorry, you're too fat, too skinny, too old, too young, too whatever. They will pick, find something <laughs> to pick you apart with. And it's a, it's a blow to the ego each and every time you do it. And some days, um, like for instance, in Manhattan at, at the peak of my modeling career, I would have upwards of like 20 castings a week. I would have um, a couple page shoots and a couple uh, free shoots to update the book, so on and so forth. And once you have a door slammed in your face, you got to turn around as if that never happened. And you have to say, oh, hey, I'm super happy to meet you. <laughs> Let's go through it again. And, and the moment you come across jaded, upset from the previous experience, it, it reads on you. Uh, on the next one. And these guys, uh, I think what's been great in just the lead up to this minute that we've gotten to at this moment, there's some great montage scenes of these guys getting the doors slammed in their face and they are showing up. They are showing up to every one of those interactions with those great faces. They're smiling. They're, they're, they're trying to be open and warm to everyone who's greeting them. They're going through. And then, then you do see them in their private moments and it just happens to be in the least glamorous place at all, which is like McDonald's. They're just like crashing down on yeah. a chair, eating fries, going, I don't know if I could do this anymore. And I'm sure that that's a moment um, that's there. But look, it's, it's, this is a, a, I mean, this is an actor's movie. This is a movie star's movie. Unfortunately, I didn't give you a Robert Redford minute because I feel like maybe your modeling and uh, career and good looks probably lended you more to a Robert Redford minute. I'm going to make <laughs> you talk about the Hoffman of it all. But what's your relationship with sort of all the president's men and even 70s movies, like as someone who is like breaking into the acting game? Is this, uh, as you're studying, as you're looking, is like as you're studying um, uh, uh, for, for performances, is this like the the Rolodex of great performances that you draw back on and you look back on and you study? I, I definitely do. I, I still don't really know why. I, I think it might be because growing up um, in Indiana, I come from a truck driving family. And so I, I would take trips hauling whiskey from like Kentucky down to South Texas, dip down in Mexico. All the while, you're listening to like the 90s, 80s and 70s country music, but then the rock and roll with, you know, like Alice Cooper, you have Foghead, uh, China Grove is blaring. So <laughs> I've grown up having such an affinity for like the 70s time frame to the point that um, the last three birthdays I've had, um, I went to like a vintage arcade and it was 70s <laughs> attire. So yeah, I'm all about, you know, that period of time and watching performances. I've, I, I love watching films and I definitely seen the craft of filmmaking evolve to where let's say somebody like Will Ferrell today, he's a comedic genius. He's so great at everything he does, but I, I was on set, uh, for on the house, uh, like, um, they turn their residential home into a casino and stuff yeah, like this. Yes, 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 yes. And they, they literally just, put the camera on him, focus, hit record, and then he would riff on one-liners. And, you know, he, he's a funny guy, he's saying funny things, and that has proven to be successful to him to a point. And while I definitely appreciate it and love Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, stuff like that, my uh, preferred comedy is more traditional with Gene Wilder yeah. to where, you know, that's Will Ferrell telling a joke. But what I like is more of a gag. So you would have the writer um, come up with an idea for a gag. He would um, then pass it on to the director. The director would make sense of it. 
uh, he would um, direct the actors to execute the gag. It would be polished and post. So it is a complete collaborative and team effort in order to pull off this one joke instead of just saying something kind of lewd and raunchy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a, there's a choreography. There's a choreography with a with a Mel Brooks movie, which is every you know you know especially I, I think of Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles has four maybe five writers. I think it is. They are literally breaking every scene down. They are wringing the funny out of it. Um, and some of its most yeah. hilarious moments are huge orchestrated uh, uh, <laughs> uh, cowboys breaking onto the set of a gay Busby Berkeley um, dance yeah. number. You know, it's it's like it's the orchestration is huge. Um, and and mm. when you're looking at it, it's 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 that. I think, yeah, I there is so much that's great about uh, I I love like I love Will Ferrell too. And there's so much great stuff that you get out of those, like, you know, just riffing on a bunch of different ideas and throwing, uh, throwing in jokes. My favorite movie of all time. And anyone who's a now one heat minute productions fan would know like Pacino doing his, she got a great ass line from heat is like a take that is a later take. Like Michael Mann had the take, they had the takes that they wanted. And Al would do about five or six takes that get the take they wanted and then Michael's like, yeah, I've got what I need. And he'd go, cool, let me do a couple wild ones. Like that's exactly, he would say, let me do a couple wild ones. But I think it's like you, you almost have to, uh, in my mind, you almost have to like go with the script, go with the moment, go with the collaboration, get it as you have orchestrated. And then I think the deeply funniest, most organic like riffs on it are once you've got the whole thing. Cause then you, you you know exactly what it's got, and then maybe you know what it's missing. Does that make sense? I don't know if that even makes sense to you, but yeah. Oh yeah, no. That, I, I feel I feel like that's you, a great point. Yeah, I feel like you need to have it before you find the bit that's not there. Does that make? Yeah, I, that's what I feel. Maybe is uh, similar with you in those movies. Very much, and like in the sense of being an actor, um, I have scripts uh, I'm working on, and. Um, when you rehearse and you do a dry run and a, a table read, you're listening to the flow and it's very imperative for that uh, to be uninterrupted as if like, you know, um, last time I watched Space Odyssey 2001, um, my brother-in-law came down from Canada. We uh, we went to the Arclight Dome, watched it on the biggest screen ever and it's just, you know, you're locked in. If somebody came in halfway and said, hey guys, we got to sell on popcorn, it, it, he he would get beat up in the parking lot. <laughs> so, you know, to, to disrupt that, that flow, when you have a table read, yeah, you're like, okay, it's a little chunky here. We need to do this. Or it's been pretty monotone for a hot minute. Here is where, you know, on page 80, I, I think we need to inject something more. So yeah, it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I think that's, one thing I've said a few times on this show and one thing I just want to reiterate about the, especially the upcoming scenes is when you look at the, like the roster, as if you were looking at a sports team on paper of this movie, these next few scenes are like, they just highlight that like every participant or every player is like playing hall of their hall of fame year sort of level all at the same time. So, you know, William Goldman's script is the absolute structural scaffolding of this movie. Even though they dance around with it, they do alter some bits and pieces in the actual performances and the, and the flow, but it is the absolute structure. Alan J. Pakula just having a command and just complete trust with his actors that he's just letting them do what they do, letting them have long spaces, long takes, long pauses, really allowing them to convey the information uh, I mean, Jane Alexander in an Oscar nominated performance, Hoffman, absolutely, you know, right in, right in his peak of his yeah, career. Yeah. And, and then Gordon Willis, one of the greatest cinematographers who's ever lived, really just creating these beautiful, tense moments um, all across the spectrum um, here. And, and I feel like what in some ways in, in, in some of the other projects we've talked about, this sort of a central auteur, you know, um, I would consider myself a vulgar auteurist. You know, I loved it, the concept of like, there's a, a mad genius sometimes behind films, man or woman, just mad genius. Uh, and I feel like that was very much heat with Michael Mann. 
but I think that these scenes and these moments here, like you said, it's like literally we are grinding through. It is all being, it, it is all this alchemy of all these great collaboration that is now just being written up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And in that sense of it being a collaboration, movies I really love are where, yeah, like it, everybody brings their unique um, personality to set in front and behind the camera, but everyone is on the same page. So like when you watch, um, was it uh, American Beauty yeah. or um, The Killing of the Sacred Deer? Like everybody is doing their stuff, but like the way that everybody talks almost picks on a monotone, <laughs> you know, unemotional. So it's like, it, you know, they, they bring their selves to it, but it's all in, you know, like with Pecula, it's a very, um, uh, not subdued, but it's a very minimal, um, trying to think the right word. So here's a great example. So, uh, you mentioned the great work of the cinematographer, uh, Gordon, Willis. His name? Gordon Willis, great. Willis. The, pr- okay. the, the Prince of Darkness is his nickname. Yeah. Nice. So the Prince of Darkness, this is one thing I was blown away with and it leads up to, um, to knocking on the door to begin, what is it, the 75th minute we're covering? 75th, or 74th? 75th of 137. Yeah. yeah. So one hyper nuanced detail was every time that they're walking up and doors being slammed in their face and they knock on the door, it opens, people are frowning, very standoffish. In that scene, when they finally make progress, it is the only time that when the door opens, you're already inside the house. Every other shot that they do, you're seeing the back of the, you're seeing the back of the actors, and you're seeing the homeowner open the door from outside the house. Yes. So the the only time that they finally catch a break, you're already inside the house when the door opens. And to me, that's a very nuanced thing that you know it's. It's very subtle, but uh, highly effective. If, if there's any, if, if there's any minutes, I want to talk, talk about two things. If there's any minutes or any sequence of minutes that I need to emphatically recommend that you quickly pause it. And if you can queue up the movie while Bo and I are about to talk about it, you need to watch these scenes. It is an absolute masterclass um, of, of just of interaction with people. And, and he's so right. So we're going to go and dive into that minute, but I think, I love what you said about you were talking about killing of a sacred deer because it's Yorgos Lanthimos who is a terrific director and like it feels like people uh, people know with Yorgos that they're going for something like it feels like it's like oh we're doing that thing we're doing that thing where like everyone is kind of weird like his other terrific movie um, uh, uh, oh my god I've just lost it in my mind I'll have to cut this because uh, it's uh, <laughs> With, and it's another the lobster. Yes. Or, oh my God. Yeah. We, we okay. don't have to cut that. The lobster is what I was thinking of. God, I was just like, what sea animal is that? Is it a crab? No, it's not a crab. <laughs> um, but that's what I love so much about the lobster. It's like that. And again, like killing of a sacred deer has this epic cast. There's a whole bunch of people. It's not a period movie. It's like in a weird, um, you know, hot hyper stylized, like alternative future like massive existential crisis super high concept but like everyone in that mm-hmm. movie is so game to just play weird and like everyone is left of yep. center and so i feel like you need it even though like you said every one of those individuals is bringing something uh completely unique to the table they're all like okay we're doing this weird thing for yorgos and this is how you approach these weird things and um you know, maybe yeah. that's a Wes Anderson thing too. Like people just go into his movies and they play this sort of left to center. Like he's, they get totally into his rhythm. But right now, let's get back to 1976. Let's go to Alan J. Pakula and Robert Redford's masterpiece, All the President's Men. Let's go to the 75th minute. And ladies and gentlemen, if this was Heat, we'd be saying it's the coffee shop scene or the heist. I mean, this is the bookkeeper scene. We are literally about to knock on the door. I love what you noticed, Bo, because we're going to dive into that too um, because it is such a subtle shift and it gives you, even though we're not quite in the door, the sense that we're going to get in there. So let's watch it together now. Mm-hmm. Folks, you guys are sure. going to listen along and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Hey, 
Hi, I'm Carl Bernstein of the Washington Post, and I just, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Well, you don't want me. You want my sister. It's for you. It's Carl Bernstein. Oh, my God. He's the guy from the Post. Can I just borrow one of your cigarettes there? Sure. You've really got to go. Sure. Can I just uh, get a match? I can understand you're being afraid. There's a lot of people up at the committee just like you who wanted to tell the truth, but some people wouldn't listen. Certain people have gone back to the prosecutors and the FBI to give information which they were never asked. You were Hugh Sloan's bookkeeper when he worked for Maurice Stans up at Finance, and we were just wondering if you were promoted to work for Mr. Stans immediately after Mr. Sloan quit, or whether there was some time lapse. I never worked for Sloan or Now, Bo, that is the tragedy of this show, is that right in the midst of one of the greatest minutes, I think arguably of one of the greatest American films that's ever been made, I'm going to deny you the luxury of that scene. A really great little minute. I love your preliminary observation that the door actually opens with the warmth on Hoffman's face, like the, the warmth of the door opening. I think that's such a great detail that you picked up on. Just a magnificent scene and a magnificent call from him even though it's you know i think in 2020 people would be like that's hyper aggressive that he just barged his way into the door but i think in the in the in the spirit of this movie and the spirit of his charm and their investigation he's he you know the sister being a little bit more uh softened to to his plight and charmable is just outstanding for him to just go all right i need to i need to make my way i need to make a move here because i can i can plead my case more effectively. <laughs> and and back to how he uses smoking as a way to actually get into the door, much like how you asked me to give my comparison from that into um, being shut out from modeling, you know, time after time. One thing um, I've actually heard of models doing is they, um, they would quote unquote, forget their hat or um, <laughs> a wallet or something in the room. So after the audition, now they have a reason to come back and they think getting some one-on-one -on -one time is going to, you know, See, Bo, we're carve around, out. You know. <laughs> we're, we're around the same age. And I don't know if this was you, but it's like, I remember, you know, times in like high school. And even if you didn't smoke, I remember like having friends go, you always got to carry a lighter. And part yep. of it was like, you got to yep. carry a lighter because then if there's a pretty girl who's like, about to have a cigarette, you light a cigarette for, and that's a, like, that is a conversation starter. So I also love like the really like, Oh, I've forgotten a cigarette. He hasn't, this guy smokes, he's chain smoking through this whole movie. Yeah. Like he's, he's got probably two packs of cigarettes on him right now. Like there's no question yep. for me that that's there. But I also just love the in intuition of like, Oh, I can bum a cigarette. That is like that bumming a cigarette is going to give me 10 seconds. And then if I see her face, it's going to give me just a few more seconds as we sort of try and, and, and break down the barriers because this is someone they know is deeply important um, to, to everything that they're going to mm -hmm. talk about. And so I just feel like I love that instinct of like, oh, I just need a cigarette. That's fine. Yeah. That's uh -huh. fine. I'm going to, I'm going to break my way in the door, but it's, 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 it is a, like, also in the lead up to this minute, and we'll just talk a little bit about the previous minute, is like he's stalking around in the bushes in the dark. It's very beautifully composed. He's composed in silhouette. And then when it when it opens up, it's actually you hear the sister's voice. And I don't know what it is. It's just like it's about 10, 8, 10 seconds in the scene, and you can almost feel her smiling. Like even on the on the side profile, like you would know this in like the way that you've been framed in either modeling or acting. It's like there's something about her side profile that she's just smiling. You can sort of see her cheekbone a little bit. And so when Hoffman's mm -hmm. talking to her, it's like, oh, this is, this is something different. Cause the, the, one of the faces that really resonates with me in this whole little sequence of them having the door slammed in the face is the dad with the red tie. Like he's barely lit that opens the door. He's wearing like a short sleeve, white, crisp, starchy shirt. Mm -hmm. And he's got this like curmudgeon of a face and he, he hears them talk for like oh, two seconds yeah. and he just shuts the door. Whereas this one, um, opens up, resonates here. Now, if you're picking a scene, if you're picking a scene with a partner, uh, for, for, a for a, uh, 
an audition or a practice or some study. Are you ever are you ever picking the Bernstein and the bookkeeper scene? It's a good six minute nope. scene. You never picking it. <laughs> you never picking it. Never because um, yeah, and and a lot of more novice actors make that mistake. Um, if you're doing it to practice, go for it. Have fun. Knock yourself out. If you're doing a monologue that's land a new manager or an agent or anything like that, and you choose something that like an, an Oscar award winning <laughs> actor, like, as you said, this is like, you know, this is these superstars all coming together in front behind the camera to make this thing happen. If you're in your, you know, second year of acting school, trying to land a manager, you do not want to <laughs> be compared to that. Right. Yes. So, Yeah. You, you, you're going for you, you're doing a monologue from American Ninja. Um, I think is 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 probably yeah. just I want to play obscure. Yeah, yeah. I want a B movie. Want something that's got some got something that's chunky that can do, that can do something, but definitely don't want to be compared to Hoffman. So they're in this moment. There's this great scene and uh, th- that is about to be unfolding. And uh, as as Hoffman's Bernstein sort of gets in, it's like a very minor conversation. It's less than twenty seconds. He he hears the sister's hesitation and he interrupts it. It's the you know she he goes oh, I don't want to talk to him, and it's just on that beat that he pushes through the door. He's just like yeah. just on that moment I'm going to go. And as he passes it, there's this beautiful thing, and Bo and I are going to look at it together. So we're talking, but there's this beautiful framing of the sister behind yeah. the banister. Um, so it's played by Jane Alexander, obviously in her Academy Award winning uh, nominated performance, but it's. Jane Alexander standing there framed behind bars and there's mm-hmm. this excellent, extremely subtle interplay about these two folks being, being imprisoned or, or being separated literally by, you know, the vertical bars of like prison or the implication of that. And it's then Hoffman, after he grabs the cigarette and he darts around, he he's in the wide open. And finally, there's like all these barriers, these metaphorical and fit, like literal barriers between them and the mm-hmm. truth. They sidestep and they are just uninterrupted. They can have a conversation together. And he, he he's asking the most innocuous things. I'm just trying to work out a timeline of who you worked for when. It is just such a beautiful, beautiful little... Uh, and And once he's in the door, the charm is completely turned on. Yep. A hundred percent. And yeah, that, that was one thing I, I, the blocking I thought was very interesting. And yeah, as you said, you know, it's just that one minute we're focusing on at the moment, but that entire scene, yeah, like it definitely carries a very specific vibe, but yeah, like him walking in and he knows just by hearing, you know, what, uh, oh my God, that's a guy from the Washington Post. (laughs) I think that's what she said. Yes. He's, he instantly he's like she's on edge somebody has gotten to her she's afraid and so when he sidesteps and he's like you know i'm i'm used to hearing stuff like that a lot of people are afraid trust me you're not the only one um there's a lot of bad people doing bad things i just want to make sense of what's happening and try to help that's how i you know that that charm he puts on he comes across in a way to where he's you know, he's really trying to just get on her side. So yeah, going from each side of the fence or behind bars to sidestepping it. Yeah. Like that's a great way to do it. Yeah. I think one thing you touched on there is also talking about, it's sort of weird. It's like, she's there. She's like the, the golden fleece, right? She's like the person mm-hmm. who can, you know, who's the target of this whole movie. Someone that's in that position of power, like someone that's close enough to a position of power, but that could potentially, um, you know, positively whistleblow. Uh, and it's really hard for them to have found her. Now that they've got her, I love that the beginning of this conversation, he doesn't actually say how important she is to your point. Mm-hmm. He's saying everyone's scared. Everyone we've talked to, like he's, he's building a a world where it's okay for people to have talked to him. Like, like, you know, like in the, in the nicest possible way, like it's okay for you to have talked to me. It's okay. You're, you're like, you know, the people are scared. I'm here. I I don't even really want to know what you 
do or what you know. I just need, I'm building a, I need to know who was employed when, you know, I just want a timeline. And, and so it starts, everything that he's saying is deflecting what she would have to say. Like, I don't want the smoking gun. I don't want to know what was in the books. I don't want to know who exactly got paid off. None of that is now that's late. That's for later on in this scene. But I just love how he's like just keeping it at an arm's length. And even the way that he's relating to her, he's like, he's still standing far away from her. He's letting her come to him. Mm-hmm. He's not being too aggressive. I um, mean, that sense, oh, he's totally barging past the sister in the, in, in a, in a polite barge, but he's, he's like, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's getting in the house, asking the questions. And, and yeah, I think that that's another way, like you said, that charm is actually to keep it at arm's length. It's like that. You know, it's almost like a reverse psychology and a negotiation technique of like, we're just going to skate yeah. on the outside of what this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is your friend because when you never get into a house, the moment you do, you don't want to be like, who, what, when, where, why? All right, I got to go. Got to get back to the office. No, like, just be in the space. And one thing I've learned um, uh, in my intro that you gave, you touched on how I worked in law enforcement. And uh, so for three and a half years, uh, I was in a detainment facility. And like, if you think of what a SWAT team member does, that was kind of what I did. It was like you have a correction guard, but then you have what's known as a cert team member. So when things would get violent, I would have to suit up and go play. Um, but then also in the aftermath, I would have to talk to people, take reports, and really try to find out what happened and make sense of it. And one thing I've learned is people don't like silence, especially you know when they're already tense. Yes. So, yeah, so it's a very, again, subtlety is a a huge part of this movie but for him he didn't need to push just be there in the space with her and say hey i can help and then you just sit there if you try to march her down she's going to get defensive but if you just sit there and just pleasantly have eye contact put on the charm people feel the need to say something else to feel to feel the silence I would imagine yep. with you, if you're taking a report and someone doesn't want to say that they've done something, done something bad that has led to violence, um, silence and just really reassuring, uh, reassuring silence, if you like, is is exactly what the the approach that you're taking that whole time. I'm just going to sit here in reassuring silence with my pen perched on this report, <laughs> um, and I'm just going to sit here and wait, and eventually, information will start to be shared. Yeah, which the uh, overall, uh, just exit this uh, one minute, but that's one thing I noticed throughout the entire movie, uh, especially with Redford talking to people. People were offering up information, which uh, that's what um, what uh, Hoffman said. You know, as he came around, people are afraid. They're later going back, offering up information they were never asked to give. Yes. So people are like, oh, they're looking at me. I need to tell them something or else they're going to think I'm a suspect. So all of a sudden you've got these people coming out from every angle saying, Oh, well actually just so you know, I'm not a bad guy. This is what I know. Yeah. So, yeah. As, especially once they break through this bottom layer of people who are literally just mm-hmm. in the hierarchy of being told what to do. Like once you break through the bookkeeper, and you get to Sloan and you get to those other guys, it's like they are one, yeah. They are hyper aware that that bad things or questionable things were happening. And so for them, it then becomes mm-hmm. like, like protect yourself at all times. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm here going, this is exactly what I did. I may get in trouble, but I did everything on the orders of this person. Yep. <laughs> it's funny how it, so quickly turns into that. Yeah. Like it, and it doesn't take long, you know, we, we are more, we're at the halfway point and things speed up. I, I think, um, it's interesting what you've said because I, I know that we talk about it in the, in, in the, in the next minute with, with our next guest, but I just want people to sort of think about why, why does this movie for you, Bo? And I don't know if it, maybe a better question is for me, when I watch this movie and really great movies, and this is a, you know, a couple of hour movie, two and a half hour movie. When I watch really great movies, even 
movies that I don't know, like kind of like if you were explaining them to someone would feel slow. Like, Oh, this scene happens. This is the information that's passed through, but it's a 10 minute scene, you know, or, mm-hmm. but, but not really that much happens other than people talking to one another. And I feel yep. like great movies have got that sense of you just being completely immersed in the space and in the time. And it doesn't matter that maybe seemingly it would be longer or there's more gaps for air or there's those dreaded silences, as you talked about, that some people want to fill in. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, this movie just like seems, even though that's the case, it's flying by. Like even this minute flies by for me, but it's such a, Mm -hmm. a languid, beautiful, slow, quiet minute. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and uh, I honestly feel like, um, like today I call it an, an Oscar movie when you see movies that are executed in that fashion, because the vast majority of movies and TV, um, they don't allow, um, the actors a moment to breathe. Um, and I, I highly blame that on, social media <laughs> yeah. um, because well because so uh, yeah like I I'm forced to play the game with it, everybody else but I think it's complete BS to have to go into an acting audition and next to your name put down how many followers you have I, I get a numbers game and low budget films need exposure whatever but it, it doesn't sit well with me so the way that I see it is um, social media is literally a physical addiction to where you go on Instagram. Oh, I got X amount of likes, comments from, you know, the, um, from a shirtless picture I posted. <laughs> awesome. That is you, that is you feeling validated and approved by society. What's also happened is it has now began a timer inside your body because you have released a, was it dopamine, dopamine yeah. into system? <laughs> yeah. A feel good chemical. And that timer is now ticking away until you need your next hit of dopamine. And then you go on IG again to see how many more likes and how many more comments. And it, you know, that timer gets shorter and shorter until you're talking to somebody at a party, you're mid sentence and they look down at their phone and it's like, what's the matter with you? Like, <laughs> well, through me, sorry. So to relate that into, again, how I viewed, um, the, filmmaking process change. Yeah. The moment that actor says the line, it has to cut back to the other actor because the attention span of people in today's age is that of a gnat. Like yes. they're like, just give me information more, more. Okay. They said it. What's the response? Come on. You know, like it's, it's like a near junkie mentality. Whereas again, back then, yeah, you could actually sit and just two people talking, nobody's screaming. It's not like a big, you know, blow up Mission Impossible type movie, but there's so much being offered that I feel like most people, you know, like kids today don't know, <laughs> you know, it's really that type of comments where they, they're growing up in a society to where their um, attention to detail is being skipped over because, you know, it's just, yeah, filmmaking, you have to cut back and forth or people feel like the movie's lagging and dragging and, you know, oh, it's boring all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I, I think it's re- it, it, it is like a it's a contemporary thing. And what 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 I struggle with when I look back, and it's like you even see someone like so around the same time, Sam Peckinpah making big muscular movies, and and in his editor um, was actually the editor on all the President's Men, and Peckinpah does that cut 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 thing with with some of the dialogue and some of the, the whippy stuff in his movies. But then he sort of offsets it with these insanely great action scenes where he's shooting it for three angles and everything's in slow motion and people are getting blown away. And it's like, it like the whole style yeah. of the movie slows down to be in the experience of the action and, and the devastation and violence. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a stylistic thing. And that's what I don't understand with a lot of contemporary films is because like you have an action movie, like it's going to have quick cuts or, or, or things are going to yeah. you know, be flowing quickly. You know, the latest mission impossible, I think Chris McQuarrie does less cuts in fallout, but, um, they're more elaborate, huge action sequences in the center of that movie. They're just insane. Um, but 
that there's a place for that. Whereas I think these movies, like you said, an, an Oscar picture, a slow, like you can just be having a conversation, you're having a dialogue, you're letting actors breathe. I think some of that stuff like sidestep to TV. And the big question I have from everything that you say is I'm like, I don't get how someone would go, oh, this two hour movie that I have to invest in is slow and boring. I'm just going to go watch 20 seasons of something and binge it. <laughs> I'm just like, if someone's, right. someone says to me sometimes like, have you watched this show? I'm like, how many episodes is the season? And if they say like 25, I'm like, I can't, I'm sorry. Like I, I like, I'm, I, I'm really sorry. Like, and that might be the most snobbish thing of me to say, but I'm like, I, if you said, would you rather watch 25 almost hour episodes of this season of a show? Or would you rather go back and watch 12 great movies from the seventies that maybe you haven't seen yet? Like that are still on your list. I'm like, I'm going to go back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go watch those movies. I'm going to go like pour myself into all the Robert Redford movies I haven't seen or something like that. Like it feels more worthwhile to me than like investing in a show, um, uh, like of that length. But yeah, it's, it is a, it's a strange thing. I definitely agree with you that the addiction is a problem. And then that absolutely influences the way that people quick cut and use all those lessons. But I also like wonder mm -hmm. sometimes when you're like, you have no patience for a two hour movie that is the limits of your investment, but you'll have it for like 20 episodes of a series on Netflix. You'll binge the living daylights out of it. And then you'll wait for the next series to come around and you do the same. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's all about, you know, the, the journey versus, and results. So for them, you know, like when you watch Game of Thrones, um, you have what about nine or 10, 15 primary storylines. <laughs> so everything is like, yeah, you, yeah. If, if you tell me to come up with something that's quick to the point and very impactful, I can do that. Yeah. And then you say it's for that one character. I'm like, yeah, I got it. But then, so when you have it for like 10 different characters or however many there are, <laughs> everything is nothing but impactful and just crazy and the stakes are raised, they get re-raised. Everything is just is pedal to the metal I had, I had, entertainment. I had never yeah. noticed because I'm like, that, you said Game of Thrones. I'm like, yeah, it's, there are some great moments in Game of Thrones of those quiet conversations, you know, especially the Dinklage character being his manipulative self uh, in, in, in King's Landing. There's a couple of great seasons where he's just having these wonderful conversations with characters who are all like on the precipice of killing one another. But I had never yeah. put it together until you said it was just like, they have that scene, but then the dopamine still needs to stay up. So then you go to a zombie, then you go to a white Walker, then you go to a, like a giant, then you go to a dragon, then you come back to a quiet conversation. And it's just <laughs> like, there's just nothing. There's no, it is an unrelenting thing. Like there are a few episodes that like, you're mm -hmm. not just being battered with like, okay, here's this and here's some more and here's some more and here's some more. And here's another, yeah. here's another group of your favorite characters we're going to kill. And, uh, and, and just going down, down and down, down and down, down the line. Yeah, definitely. And back to it. It's, it's such a hugely successful show. And, uh, I think they have a couple of spinoffs. Like don't, don't they have like a prequel coming out now? Yeah. And I'm like, I, and I saw a tweet. Geez. Funny, funny that we digress, but I saw a tweet. Someone, someone tweeted a story that was from 2015. I think it was actually like it was something like the 30th of July, 2015, and it was George R. R. Martin talking to like a trade publication or like a comic book publication or something like that. Going, if the winds of winter isn't out by the 30th of July, 2020, the fans can kill me. And I saw someone quote retweet it today and be like. Today's going to be an interesting day for George because that book doesn't look like it's right. any closer to being out. Um, yeah, look, yeah. it's a, it's you know that 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 is that is a behemoth, you know, um, a behemoth of a show, and you know, earned its earned its praise and earned its space as like the dominant, you know, show in our pop culture. But yeah, that's the that's it again. Even Game of Thrones, in all of its layered, like complete, you know. Uh, just jam packed structure that like seems to satisfy you on every level or like, every, you know, every next few minutes, there's a part of the storyline that you like more than the next. It still is only like eight or 10 episodes a season. Like, so you still have that consumable thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, at least it's not 30, if it was 30 episodes a season. I'm like, no, nah, I can't do this. Like those are like an old classic, you know, hour long TV drama. Like it's not, I can't, I can't invest in this this long. It's too much. Um, getting back to our minute, 
I just want to talk about Jane Alexander just for a second. This is the first time that she's introduced in the movie. I think she just has mm-hmm. one of the most wonderful faces um, um, uh, of really those 70s actors. Yes, absolutely, she's beautiful, but there is just something... I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I uh, can't put my finger on it with her bows. Like, especially in the minute, you know, sort of second half, like 30 seconds of the minute here, there's a head tilt, the way that her face is cast in shadow. I'm just going to show it to you so we can look at it together. Mm-hmm. But okay. like her, her face, yeah. her face is cast in shadow and there's just, I don't know what it is about her face. It's just something. It's like the way that her eyebrows are there, what her eyes are reading. There's just something in her, mm-hmm. her pursed lips. I don't know that it's just, this is clearly why it resonated with people, even though it's such a short appearance in the movie. Mm-hmm. She's just incredibly powerful, like, you know, holding all the cards almost. Like she's the poker player who's who, who's got a royal flush and you've got nothing. Um, and and she's just there like, do I even play this hand? Do I even bother to play it? It just there's just something about the anticipation yeah. she causes. I don't know. It's a beautiful, it's a it's a beautiful, very powerful short performance. Yeah. Um and the way I view her and um I actually re rewatched it with my wife and I told her that like her her voice, uh, I'm in love with it. The way she comes across is like a true to form classically trained actor to where again today you got these uh people putting you know social media people in movies and it's like you're interesting for you know a 15 second thing on ig but whatever uh, i won't go into that um but the way she comes across is when you think of like old hollywood yes everybody could everybody could sing dance and speak a foreign language <laughs> and you would and you would have like an in-house um like voice coach you would go to approved cafes and diners and like it was very much you know this uh yeah so i, I believe that her being at her age in the 70s i'm like she could have easily been like a huge starlet you know back in like those early days of hollywood that's more of how i view her to where um, the she, actors she, she, belong, she belongs on the she belongs on the early talkies. She's got that face for it. She's got that face for the the even the black and whites. Mm-hmm. You know that the lighting. You know this whole scene oh, yeah. almost is like a mm-hmm. a, a, a color drained. You know, or or, or a color tinted black and white scene in the way that it's structured, the way that it's lit, the way that she's lit, and she's just got that perfect face. That perfect face. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like she's beautiful, no doubt. But it's to me, it's deeper than that. To where, yeah, like I live in L.A. There's somebody that's hot and gorgeous everywhere you look, <laughs> but there's beneath the skin with her. To where it's more of an essence. To where, you know, like yes, yeah, the the, po- the posture, the, everything, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, so it's really hard to uh, put my finger on. But if we could dip into two seconds after our one minute when the sister asks if she wants tea or uh, ask Hoffman if he wants tea, the look she gives, that is what really stuck with me to where, yeah, like the way she carries herself to where a lot of people would want to go big and be like, what are you doing? But she doesn't. She just, like, again, everything about her matches with the film and being subtle. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, I love that moment. I we're, I will allow, I will allow it, your honor for you to cheat just for a, a, a split second, but no, it's, it's so, really wanting to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it is a, it's a great extension of the scene. And also <clears throat> it just shows, um, it's a cool touch. Brothers and sisters are different and sisters and sisters are different. You know, like I think that sometimes in movies they cast like, everyone's in harmony or like there's like this weird thing where like everyone's in complete harmony or they hate each other. You know, there's like, feels like there's two polar opposites when you cast, but like these are two sisters and one of them just has a different approach. Like, yeah, I'll offer this guy a coffee. Cause like, I'm not going to just like let him stand here and smoke a cigarette and not be polite. I don't care if he's from the Washington post, I'm just going to ask him if he wants a cup of coffee or a cup of tea like that. Like that's, that's uh, what I'm doing. And, and so, and so when she does that, she looks at her sister like, what the hell are you doing in that moment? 
But her sister, I imagine, because you don't necessarily see her reaction shot, the sister's like, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is our house. Like, someone's in our house and they're talking mm-hmm. to you. And my reflex is, let's go get him a cup of coffee. Like, let's be cordial. Like, we're not just going to, yeah. we're not going to just like tell him now to get the hell out of the house. Yeah. And uh, I actually have a very different opinion on that to where she's not being courteous to Hoffman. He comes in and she's like, oh, you're with the post. You got to leave. Her sister has seen the changeover that's come due to the stress on her. She's like, this guy's trying to help you. Would you like coffee? So she's helping Hoffman Uh. stay in the house as a way to be like, my sister needs help. She's too afraid to do anything to get help. So I think her offering tea is her way of helping her sister finally, you know, get help that she needs. Get the help that you need and spill the tea. Mm-hmm. A very modern, very modern turn of phrase. Spill yeah. the tea on, yeah. hey, on on all of your dastardly financial dealings. Bo, mate, it's been a great chat. Um, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the show. And I think that that's the perfect note. Uh, that's the cliffhanger moment I want to leave people uh, lingering in their minds at the end of this dialogue is I really want them to think about the sister trying, the sister is now someone who is trying to save her, trying try, trying to relinquish the stress um, for Jane Alexander's bookkeeper character because she's seen everything that's been happening. Um, so mate, just look, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Where can people find you on the socials? Um, well, my name um, at Mr. Bo Robert. So M-R-B-O, Robert. And that's across the board on what, IG. That's that's where I'm most active. So if you're wanting a response from me, hit me up on Instagram. And uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. I'll make, I'll make sure I link it in all of the descriptions. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I look forward to seeing what you're doing once the entire quarantine is all done. But yeah, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. That was the lovely and very perceptive Bo Roberts. Thank you, Bo, so much for being part of the show. If you guys already know Bo or you want to follow him, it's at Mr. Bo, B-O, Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S. That's on Twitter, that's on Insta, and as he said, Instagram is the place that you can find him. Guys, thank you so much for listening to all the President's Minutes so far. We are over the halfway mark, and we're about to approach one of the most special episodes of the entire series so far, John Borston. Alan J. Pakul is assistant on the set of All the President's Minutes. He is going to be here talking to us in the very next episode. Holy dooly. Do not miss it. It is unbelievable. I had a great time talking to John. I can't wait for you to hear it. I had a great time talking to Bo. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support the show, follow us at One Blake Minute on One Blake Minute on Twitter and Instagram. Go to oneheatminute.com if you want to check out what's happening with the show. You can see Increment Vice and all those other things. If you can donate, you've got a little bit of cheeky cash lying around. There is also a donation button in the show notes of the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on another episode very soon. What a lineup we have. Starting with... <laughs>